0: And then I think about the other side of the coin. What is the, what is devil after? Why is anger such a tool in the hand of the devil? And I look at the scriptures and I begin to look at the issue with love. God is love. Love is so critical to our existence. And love is the foundation of relationship. Relationship is the currency of heaven to succeed here on earth. And if there is anything that destroys relationship, it's anger. And so it begins to, you know, kind of um, dawn on me that the devil actually chose the right tool. And, you know, we have learned about love. We have, you know, there's so much teaching. There is, you know, but at the end of the day, we still see relationship devastated. We still see friendship being destroyed. We see, you know, um, you know, uh, spouses still being destroyed. We still see, you know, at workplace, you know, people talk great about great team, but you still see anger at the anchor of every destruction that happens to our relationship. And so that's why I think, you know, it is something that we need to pay attention to. For example, the Bible say that, you know, we should love. When they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said, love God with all your heart, with all oh, Well, The second is like it, love thy neighbor as thyself. And then, in First John, we learn that the actual proof of loving God is actually in loving our neighbors. He says, if you do not love the neighbor that you see, then how can you say you love God that you have not seen? Again, relationship. So, the target of Satan is relationship. is to destroy relationship, which is something that God was trying to build on the earth. And so it becomes very critical that the first assault rifle or assault missile that the devil threw into relationship was true anger. Hallelujah. And so as we iterated last Sunday, if you look at some of those scriptures, you know, they're just um, You know, most of those examples, they're just so clear that um, if we pay attention, then we will just definitely uh, kind of hang on God to help us never to stay angry, never to stay angry, amen? Let me read, um, I think we have read this one several times, I don't think, uh, yeah, let me just read. Matthew chapter five, which we have read several times, Matthew chapter five, just to stress this issue a little before that. And I, will, I want to go back to Moses. I don't think we have time um, to deal with um, the rest of the examples, but I think I think we'll just look at that. Matthew chapter five, I want to read from verse 43. Matthew chapter five. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I am challenging that. I am telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then, you are walking out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone regardless the good and bad. The nice and nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anyone can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a murder? Any one of the male sinner does that. Verse forty-eight. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. You are kingdom subjects. Now live like it. And the emphasis here, again, is the issue of love relating to other people. And emphasizing and reemphasizing that we have to love others. It is the only parameter, the yardstick upon which our love for God is going to be measured. Because we don't see God. And so that's why the devil saw a very good opportunity in leveraging our emotion, and he chose anger um, to really ensure that all that Jesus is saying here, this is Jesus speaking here, that all that Jesus is saying here, we cannot materialize it. So the, the way this scripture helped me is that if Jesus is saying I should love my enemy, Okay? when then there is no reason for me not to love those are not so, those who are not so enemy just because we have disagreement. I mean, so in my mind, it looks as if the demand is so high up here. if God is saying, I should love my enemies. Okay, and then so whoever has not even attained to my enemy should not even in any way suffer my love or be denied of my love, you know, i.e., I mean, my colleagues at work, you know, people in my own household, people in my church, they are not my enemy, okay, then why again do we still find it so hard you know, to see love manifested the way God is asking us to manifest it. So it means that Jesus is telling us that, you know, the the you know the mark is so high up there that he is demanding we love even our enemies. Those that actually hate us, that we know for a fact we have, you know, verifiable data to show that they truly, truly hate us. Jesus is demanding we should love them back. Uh, When someone despisely uses us, when someone, you know, he said we should respond in the energy of prayers. Why is he saying that? Because the default is to respond in the energy of anger. He's giving us an alternative, and that's why I said, that the way I've been dealing with anger is to do the alternative. Because that's what I saw Jesus saying. So when someone desperately used me, someone, you know, did something terrible, rather than allow anger to persist, it says respond in the opposite spirit. Respond with the energy of, because this is like swimming against the tide. This is not something that is very comfortable But it is something that wins all the time over anger. It wins 100% of the time. All the time. If my wife screamed at me, shouted, or we argue, now, the next morning, he's going to get the best breakfast she's ever asked, you know, ever known. And I do that, not because of her, it's because of me. Because all of a sudden, the anger will, it will just disappear. It flew away. And that's what Jesus is saying here. And that's the scriptures that tells us how to respond. And I will show us maybe because, you know, in the interest of time, I think we've seen those examples. I will was, was show us an example of a man called David. You know, maybe that would be a very good example. So we've seen the example of Moses, how he, um, he displayed anger. And we've seen, you know, Lev, Levi and Simeon, Peter, name it. You know, and that's why I do, you know, when I talk to people, they look. You know, the first, um, I think it's in Proverbs. The first um, someone someone taught me very long time ago, and he said the first um, uh, the simple definition of humility is to know that you're a man and God is God. He said that's his simple, uh, simplest form or uh, uh, definition of um, of humility. So you know the first thing every I tell everyone is to recognize that anger is an emotion that you cannot do anything about. Whether you like it or not, someone is going to step on your toe, you're going to exhibit anger. We have that proclivity. There is no, you know, there is no level of spirituality you get to that anger will disappear. No. Staying angry is what you have power over. That's it. You have power not to remain angry. You have the power, the ability, according to the grace of God that he has given unto us, to overcome anger and to actually put anger to shame 100% of the time. Because again, the goal is always the goal of Satan, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. You would never see anywhere in the scripture where anger manifested that the result is not death. Death, destruction. That's it. I mean, so I wanted to read Proverbs before I forget. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It says, start with God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. says, start with God. The first step in learning is bowing down to God. Only fools thump their noses as such wisdom and learning, agreeing with God, agreeing with Jesus, agreeing with the instruction that he gave us. And that's the thing. In Genesis chapter 3, or chapter 2, the instruction was clear for Adam and Eve. You can eat freely from all these tree except the one in the middle. If he has taken heed, what happened will not happen. In Genesis chapter 4, the instruction was clear for Cain. Cain, why are you rough? Why are you angry? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, you will not be accepted. Behold, sin is at your door. You must master it. It's out to get you. You must master it. That's it. The instruction was clear. Rather than Cain just listening... Bowing down to God is the first lesson in humility. Agreeing with God, but as long as we not, then we find ourselves in trouble, big, big trouble. Before I read, uh, before I read, uh, or just take us through that story, the story of Moses. Let me reiterate again. How this helps me um, to to kind of see anger in the right perspective. Like I said, number one, it will always lead to murder, death, destruction. There's nothing good that can come out of anger. I've never seen anyone, you know, that would say oh, I was angry then. Because you know, when you read some psychology uh, book or physiology book or whatever. They tell you anger is a good emotion. I've, I've read books talking about anger being a good emotion. <laughs> there are a lot of stories out there. Um, um, so, yeah, I don't know. You know, and if you read the whole thing, you'll you just be wondering, are you kidding me? But again, anger does not have any good result whatsoever. It does not. Okay? So it will always lead to destruction or the death of relationships. That's the major target. That's the number one goal of Satan. Leveraging anger. It's to destroy relationship. Because he knows that once he can destroy our relationship, then how can we say we have relationship with God when we cannot relate with one another? That's what Jesus is saying. And that's his goal. And anger has that capability to do that consistently anger locks us out of the promises of God or the promised land of God. You know, just like we see. As soon as Cain killed Abel, you know, and God said, well, here is the judgment. He said, you know, the Bible said he left the presence. You know, I mean, Cain himself said, you've driven me out of your presence. You've driven me away from your presence. And whosoever... Sees Cain, we kill him. He drove him out of the presence of God. So anger, we always do that, you know, if we stay angry, drive us out of the promised land of God, the presence of God. Like we see in the case of Moses with with all his hard labor, with all, all his, the one that baffles me most is the father. Moses, Moses pleaded with God not to be angry. He pleaded with God when the anger of God, you know, rose up against the children of Israel. God was telling Moses, you, these children I mean, of Israel are already, they've raised a God for themselves. Moses was pleading with God up there at Mount Arab. uh uh-huh. Is it horrible or? Oh, no, the right pronunciation. Only for him to get down. To now display the mothers of all anger. That scares me. That baffles me. How can someone tell God blot out my name instead of blotting these people away? Instead of wiping them He say, wipe out my name. And God was at peace, because of. The pleadings of Moses. And then Moses got down and saw what the children of Israel did. Which God already told him. And then he displayed a terrible anger. The instruction was read the commandment to them. Do you know in spite of all that the children of Israel have done. If he has just read the the tables of stone. They will repent. Because God said, read it to them. And he got down and he broke the two tables. Again, instruction. Not hearkening to that instruction. And to see how terrible it was, the two tables of stone were actually carved out by God's fingers himself. And the handwriting there were written by God. And he destroyed them because of anger. The alternative, <laughs> God, is, God, God has a sense of humor. When God wants, wanted to replace it, God did, not, God did not carve another stone. He asked Moses to do it. So the actual two tables were actually from Moses. Moses did those. The one God did, he destroyed them. The alternative was what he actually read to the children of Israel. And he wrote them. But the first one was original. Made from heaven. Anger made him to destroy it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the power of anger, and that's why God don't want us to ever stay angry. Let me read the story of, because of time, let's just jump. I know we're familiar with these, just you know, trying to help us picture how terrible this is, because if you bring it home, that's what happens sometimes. Because when we, you know, allow anger to dominate destiny that God has placed in our hands, we can destroy it in the twinkle of an eye. Because his destiny of the entire Israelites was in those two table of stones. And he destroyed it. You remember there are a lot of lives that were lost. Rather than heed the instruction again, after destroying the stone, what did he do? He called the children of the Levites, who is on the Lord's side. They came to his side, and he commanded them to go through the congregation with sword, and they slaughter many. Was that what God asked him to do? The instruction was, read this commandment to them. But anger... Gave him a different navigation. He went a different path. And a lot of life was lost. And it is the same thing with us. You know, God help us that we don't destroy what God has placed in our hands. But that we just hearken to the instruction to respond the way God asks us to respond. Respond in the energy of prayer. Amen. Let's look at... um, the story of <laughs> this one, I know we, you know, we, we love it. Um, the story of uh, David, Second Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to round, round up with that. Second Samuel chapter 16, this is a very good story, and this is the kind of story that I think will help us. This, that's why David is, is one of a kind in many ways. Second Samuel, chapter 16, um, from verse 8. When the king got to, well, I think I can just jump. Well, yeah. When the king got to Bahurim, a man appeared who had connections with Saul. This is when Absalom David's uh, son drove him out of the throne. Um, with Saul's family. His name was Shimei son of Jera, as he followed along, he shouted insult and threw rocks right and left at David and his company, servants and soldiers alike, to the, uh, to the accompaniment of cause he shouted, causes he shouted, get lost, get lost, you butcher, you hell God has paid you back for all your dirty work in the family of Saul and for stealing his kingdom. God has given the kingdom to your son, Absalom. Look at you now, ruined. And good riddance, you you pathetic old man. Okay, this is king, King David. This guy is acutely aware he's talking to a king. He's acutely aware of every accomplishment that David had accomplished. He knows that all it takes is David to snap at his finger and his head will be off his shoulder. And yet, he is raining all these abuses and causes on David. Abishai, verse 9, son of Zerua said, This mangy dog cannot insult my master, the king, this way. Let me go over and cut off his head. Look at responding in the opposite spirit. But the king said, said, Why are you sons of Zeruiah always interfering and getting in the way? These are like John, brother John and brother James after Jesus. If he is cursing, it is because God told him, curse David. So who dares to raise questions? Besides, continue David to Abishai and the rest of his servant. My own son, my flesh and bone is right now trying to kill me compared to that these Benjamites is small potatoes. Don't bother with him. Let him curse. He is preaching God's word to me. Did you hear that? How do we respond when people curse at us? How How does he hit us? David said he is preaching God's word to me. Now if every one of us can just adopt that, do you know what will happen to the ministry of God in our hands? Do you know what will happen in our homes? Do you know what will happen at our places of work? Do you know what will happen at our local church? He is preaching. Did you recall when Nathaniel says such thing about Jesus? Did you see any correlation between the response? He said, behold, a true Israelite in whom there is no gay." Excuse me? Did you see the correlation between David and Jesus' response? And that's what God is talking to us about. That he will get us to a point where we can respond like this. And the devil will be so ashamed. And we lose all his head or edges over us. Because he knows no matter what button he press, it's not going to work. And that's exactly how I try to turn my ear at, you know, people getting at me. I said, well, he's preaching God's word to me. And that's all he's doing. Amen. Amen. She wants to preach. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. So that will be the conclusion. That is what I really wanted to um, stress here. Is that as we go out, you know, wherever we go, that we listen to God's instruction. We're listening to the words of God. We're listening to Jesus' instruction about this issue. He has given us the answer. He has given us the solution. It is up to us not to be like Cain. You know the Bible warn us, warns us not to be like Cain. It is up to us not to be like Cain. Because Jesus already gave us the solution. To really quench this doubting fire called anger. Amen? Any question? Sorry. (laughs) Yes, ma'am.
1: Just going back from what you just said, the last statement about acting in the opposite of what uh, anger, if you notice that when you actually do that, it takes the power and the steam out of that. When we respond in the opposite, as you showed in the Bible, there, Jesus didn't even even respond to what uh, the insult was.
0: Yes, yes, yes.
1: And then um, even David. Yes. So if I believe if we apply that in our lives today, when our husbands, our wives say something, and we don't respond respond in anger, it takes the power and the steam away, and it just penetrates and just go away. But if we respond in anger, we have a blazing fire. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was something else you mentioned that I thought was very interesting. Um, Maybe it'll come back to me later. But one thing that did stand out, Mm -hmm. what would you consider... Jesus whipped them out of the temple. Was that anger or was what action was that himself? Yeah. And and it didn't and it didn't cause death or whatever but that was an emotional would you say?
0: Yes. Yes absolutely again you know um, Jesus and anyone else we are all permitted to be angry. Again you know, Because we don't want to corner ourselves to a point where we become inhuman. Anger is an emotion that is part of us. And that's why the Bible says, well, you do well to be angry, but say not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And, you know, some, some people, you know, they do say, well, if, if it is righteous indignation, if it is <laughs> the way we coin it, well, we will see that as far as Jesus is concerned, you know, the scripture says it was fulfilling the scripture. And the prophecy was the zeal of the Lord is upon me. So we thought it is anger. But that particular scripture, I agree with the scripture. It was the zeal of the Lord. It was not anger. You know, but again, I do not want us to think that we cannot get angry. We will. We can, but once we learn and heed the instruction of God, anger cannot get us to do what he wants us to do. Because when he hits us, then we respond in the opposite, you know, spirit. You know, as, a, as human, well, you know, when anger, when someone, you know, does something to me, yeah, immediately, the first response is to be angry. But the Holy Spirit, again, will whisper, whisper, respond in the opposite. And then I will do exactly that. And that's why I said, you know, listening and hearkening to God is the key. I agree with God 100% that what you just said, every time I have done that, it's, it's like magic. You know, it will just, it seems as if you see something just, pew. You know, the power, the destruction that is wrapped around, encapsulated around the anger disappears because it's not going to be able to manifest. You know? Amen. And that, the, that
1: God is love, but the devil is really anger. Yes. It's just the
0: opposite. Exactly. And so, because the devil noticed that it's part of us, it's in us, he wanted to leverage it. He wanted to use it, you know. He saw that emotion as something that is innate in us. Every man has it. Every woman has it. So it becomes very, very useful. And then he wanted to, you know, channel it to achieve the cause for which he has always achieved from the beginning, which is to kill, to to destroy, to steal.
1: God yes. To not destroy yes. them. but then when he came down from the mountain himself. Yeah. Well, when God was angry, that was personal. <laughs> yes. When he came down from the mountain, what he saw angered him. Yes. So, I see that sometimes when people are angry and we look at them, why they're angry. Yes. But when it become personal to yourself, that's mm-hmm. when you have to pass that test. Yes. So he wasn't able to deal with it when when it
0: was personal toward him. Yes, exactly. And again, we see in his lifestyle that there has been occasions. Mm -hmm. So which means, again, he is not taking heed to God's instruction. You know, he's not, even though he's a great man of God, you know, yet, you know, I think there is something missing, you know, as far as him learning from God you know, receiving instruction from them, especially, you know, at that, at that point where he pleaded with God, you know, when we think that, yeah, he understood that God should not, you know, execute based on his anger, and then why did he do that? When he just pleaded with God. And so I think it was because, you know, progressively in his, you know, um, over the ages as he, he has been, he continuously, you know, missed that. And again, paraventure, God wanted us to learn from him. Maybe that's the reason, I don't know. You know, but we saw consistently that, you know, he was missing, you know, missing that point in terms of the way he um, acts on his anger. Any other questions? Yes.
1: Well, I don't know if this is a question but something came to mind um, right. when you were talking about hunger Cain killed Abel because he was angry right and um, from the example that Pastor Sharon just said Jesus didn't kill anybody did he? Well, yeah.
0: so the, the, the point is anger is just like if I said well I you know I don't drink much, you know, alcohol. I can take one glasses or two glasses, I'll be fine, okay? So at some point, I may progress to three. I may progress to four. I may get to a point where I will not be fine anymore. That's the case with anger. Someone might say, well, you know, I know how to control my anger or this or that. Well, fine, okay? But because we have seen consistently in the scriptures you know, like Moses, you know. He broke the ten commandment. Right. Gradually, gra- you see that, you know, it is just true. It's not a luxury that anyone can afford. But we should recognize the Father because we're human, and this is an emotion. It's in us, you know, I think the solution is, again, listening to God and just agreeing with God and say, you know what? I'm going to do what God said. I should do because that's the only solution. I don't see any other solution, right? You know, to, you know, that there is something anyone can do so that your proclivity to, you know, to be angry will be removed completely. I don't know if that is possibly, you know, possible humanly, um, you know, medically. I don't think so because if it were, then what Jesus is saying or what God is giving us will not be necessary. You know, I think the only solution is what God has given us. And so anger, you know, someone, um, you know, see what, what the scripture says in Matthew chapter, part of Matthew chapter 5. It says if you are, you know, if you are angry with your brother or a sister, it says you are in danger of judgment already. Okay. I see that, I see from the perspective of Jesus, he's trying to help us understand that this thing is devastating so you don't want to deal with it. You don't want it. Okay, so understand what I'm saying to you. Respond this way and then you will overcome, you know, the anger. So whether it is uh, to kill physically or whether it is to destroy relationship or to destroy friendship, it's the same result. The devil will be happy regardless. So Either way, every time anger is manifested and we stay angry, the devil will be happy with either result. Physical death, emotional death, you know, spiritual death, doesn't matter to him. The goal was to ensure that relationship does not succeed. Amen? All right. Let's just talk to God and pray. Um, You know, I like the instructions of God about this. It is so effective if we heed the instruction. It is effective. You know, people, we always step, the Bible says, offense will surely come. Surely come. Okay? So, but He has given us how to respond. So, this is the way you should respond. And if every Christian will learn to just hearken to the voice of God, and, and respond the way he wants us to respond, I think we'll be fine. I've been fine so far. Um, you know, I mean, Abigail, as we're driving, <laughs> coming to church, we got somewhere around Sam's uh, Club, she said she wants to pee. And we drove. Stop over at uh, Sam's Club. Okay, pee. She didn't pee. She won't pee. She said, I don't want to pee. Say, said, Are you kidding me? Okay? So, and then I touched her nose. I said, don't do that again. Was I angry? Absolutely. Was I still angry with her? No. Immediately, you know, she looked at my face and she recognized that, okay, I didn't like what she did. And then I recognized that, okay, she saw that in my face. Then I changed that face. Because she recognized angry face, she would say. (laughs) She would tell you, you know, you're doing an angry face. So I changed the face, you know, immediately. So, you know, I'm saying that to say that this, it goes with us wherever we go. Because it is an emotion. It is part of us. But God has given us the solution. And that's what I want us to hold on to. To hold on to the solution to respond in the opposite spirit, never to stay angry. Once it comes, the Holy Spirit will whisper into your ear immediately. And then, it is now your responsibility to listen or not to listen. Amen? Let's just pray and use that to pray and, and, and talk to God. That God will help us to respond and to hearken to his instructions. You know, every time, anytime. When anger is pouncing at our door and knocking at our heart, the Holy Spirit will always whisper back to us to respond in the opposite spirit. That God will help us to hearken. Help us to hearken. Help us to hearken, Lord. Every time. Every time you're knocking at the doors of our heart to respond in the opposite spirit, help us to hearken. Help us, Lord. Help us. We know we're human. We know anger is an emotion, but you do not want us to stay hungry. And we do not want to stay angry. We don't want to stay angry. We don't want to destroy what you have given unto us, all that you have put in our hands. So therefore, Lord, Spirit of the living God, we ask that you help us, that when you speaking into our heart and pricking our heart, that you will help us to hearken to your voice, to do what you ask us to do and to respond the way you will Ask us to respond, so the devil may be put to shame, and your name alone will be glorified. This we have prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say the grace, and the grace of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with us, and now and forevermore. Amen.